Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Good morning and welcome to church today. So glad to be here with you, as Jamie mentioned. My name is Micah Scharzberg. I'm the executive pastor, and I love this church, and I love being a part of this church. I want to start out by introducing you to my family. This is myself, and this is my beautiful bride, Rachel. This is a picture of us out in San Francisco this weekend. This weekend. This summer, I was not in San Francisco this weekend. Um, and we are expecting our first child in three weeks' time. And so would appreciate and relish your prayers as we get ready for that. Well, this morning, we are continuing our series entitled, The Church Can Change the World. And you hear that phrase tossed around in church circles oftentimes, and you're like, okay, that's a little hokey. And it's just like hyperbole. The church just likes to say that to make them feel good about themselves. But, but really, like, we believe that around here. We believe that the church can change the world, and my life is evidence of that. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Jamie kicked us off and talking about Matthew 16, that we uh, are built on this revelation that when Jesus and Peter, there's a story in Matthew 16 where Jesus and Peter come together. And Jesus asked Peter, hey, man, who do you say I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus goes, that's right, Peter, you got it, man. And on that rock, that re- not Peter, but the rock of that revelation of Jesus as Messiah, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. What you open will be open. What you bind will be bound on earth as it is in heaven, as Jesus teaches us to pray, right? We've been given the keys of the kingdom. And then off of that, Jamie built on this idea of the Moravian intersection, the Antioch intersection, as we like to call it, of Jesus' church, and his mission. What does it mean to live right there in the middle of that intersection? That's what I'm going to be talking about today. What does it look like for us to live in the middle of that intersection of those three things as the priesthood of all believers? If it's okay with you, I'd like to begin by sharing a little bit of my story with the church. Grew up in Houston, Texas, and was um, my parents got divorced when I was seven years old. And at that time, my dad left the church. And unfortunately, to this day, he hasn't come back, but I'm, I'm still praying for him. And uh, yeah, thank you, Lord. Um, and uh, yeah, so my mom, and, mom was married and divorced two more times after that and during my grade school years. And so it was just a pretty tumultuous and uh, kind of home environment. But a bit, my, my parents loved, loved my brother and I very much. But just because of the nature of those divorces, it just created some just instability and, and a little bit of turmoil in, in my life uh, uh, growing up. And so my mom like really didn't know what to do with us. She, she just was a single mom trying to figure it out, trying to make ends meet. And she was like, you know what? I don't know what to do, but I know I can take them to church. And that's what she did faithfully every Sunday and every Wednesday. And that church, I, I loved church. I loved going to church. It wasn't a burden. It wasn't something I didn't want to do. I desired to be there. It was fun. And I, and I had this gift that was given to me, and that was a gift of knowing God and knowing what he was like, and learning about who he was, and I began to experience him. And so at summer camp every year, I remember it, like seventh grade, I remember it like it was yesterday, I experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time. And every time I would go to summer camp, God would have these, I would have these deep encounters with God. And when I, when I look back, you know, I'm so thankful for those moments. And so as I was going into college, I had a hunger already in my heart, but I didn't have a really a tribe to run with. And so I show up to in Waco, Texas, my first Sunday, I show up at Antioch Community Church. Never heard of Antioch, never been there before. I'm sitting in the back, and I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, this, this, this is okay. 
you know, I was judging and analyzing every aspect of the service, and eh, it's all right. Uh, but I feel like at the end, the Lord wants me to go down for prayer, you know, just like we have ministry time here. And I don't know what happened, but the Lord just showed up in that moment, and he broke me. And I'm like weeping uncontrollably. This guy named Jake Griffin is praying for me. And I didn't know what was going on, but I heard the Lord say to me in that moment, Micah, I've heard your prayers and I'm answering them. And so the Lord began to uh, open up new doors for me. I had never, um, I'd never been in a life group. I didn't know what a life group was. I'd never been disciple before. I, I didn't even know what discipleship was. I never confessed, learned how to confess sin. I never confessed my sins to anybody before. That was new to me. Uh, I'd never uh, been on a mission trip. Uh, that was new to me. I'd never understood God's heart for the nations and had a biblical worldview. I'd never prayed and fasted. I'd never, literally never shared my faith with anybody. I never had any, I had no clue what the gifts of the Spirit were. So all these things God starts putting into place in my heart, and he does it in the context of people my age who are running full, wholeheartedly after Jesus. And it was like somebody was pouring fuel on my fire. And when I pause and I look back over my story and my journey with the church, I had this thought the other day, where would my life be without the church? That's a scary thought. And I don't even want to go down that road. I'm so thankful for the church. I was given a gift and I want to pass that gift along to you today. Church is powerful. Church is powerful. So what's your story? What's your journey with the church? Maybe it's been a good one. Maybe it hadn't been a good one. Ain't no church like a church hurt. Maybe you're in this room because you got some wall and you got some walls up because of people that have hurt you in the church or leaders in the church that have hurt you. And as I get going here, I just wanted to take a moment and pause. Uh, Jamie did this a few weeks ago, but just say, hey, if you've been hurt by people in the church or leaders in church, I'm so sorry. Like, really, I'm, I'm really, really sorry because the church is a beautiful thing. My hope is today that it can be a little piece in your journey of restoration and that you would be able to open up your heart to the church once again, and your heart would be restored and healed so that you can run after Jesus in the context of a local body of believers. So allow me to ask us, why, why'd you, or ask you, why'd you come to church today? Maybe you're here because it's just what you always do. Just go to church. Sunday, I go to church. Uh, maybe you're here because you're really lonely and you're looking for some real relationships. Maybe you're here uh, because you're in a really tough spot and you're stuck in a cycle of addiction, and you're just looking for some way to get out of it. Or maybe you're here because you want to know God, and you want to experience more of Him. But whatever has brought you here, uh, can I just say you're not here by accident? God knew you were going to be here, and He's got a purpose for you being here, and your life matters, and I hope that you walk away with a deeper understanding of the church and a vision for your part to play in it. Here's the big idea this morning. The primary work of God is building a people, a priest, who in their life together embody the fullness of Christ to the world. Let me say that again. The primary work of God is building a people, a priest, who in their life together embody the fullness of Christ to the world. Church was created for big things. We have two primary passages this morning. We're going to start out in Ephesians 1.23. Turn there in the, your Bibles or it'll be up here on the screens. And it says, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. 
That'll blow your mind if you think about it too long. This summer, like I said, we were out in San Francisco. So we took a tour of uh, Silicon Valley one day, went around, saw Apple headquarters, saw Google headquarters. Man, that place is cool. Uh, went and saw uh, Facebook headquarters and saw where Microsoft and Yahoo were and all these awesome, right, like technological giants, right, that are shaping society as we know it. But if you were to take all of those companies I mentioned and you were to pool all of their influence and their resources and their knowledge, and then you were to take all the other companies in America and pool all their resources, influence, and knowledge, and times that by a million, could that fill everything in every way? Not even close. Not even close. You see, the church is the most successful movement the world has ever seen, and it's not even close. When I was a kid, I had a fish tank, and uh, man, I love I love fish tanks. It was it was awesome, and you know, every once in a while, you got to change out the water, or when you get a new one, you got to fill it up. And so you're filling it. How much of the water when you fill a fish tank covers the surface area of the objects in there? Hundred percent. It fills every crack and crevice of the fish tank. And in the same way, I believe the church is like water, permeating every crack and crevice of society with the love of God. That's what it means for the church to be the fullness in the world. The church, despite all its shortcomings, has the capacity to do exactly that. It's a sacred design with a sacred plan. See, Todd Wilson in his book, More, puts it this way. We can point out and belabor the shortcomings of the church to no end, but we can't disown it without being in rebellion to its founder. Jesus has a plan for the church. It's his people, and it was his idea. And it's his plan for restoration of the earth. It's his plan A. And the question is, will you be a part? He's inviting you to be a part. The question is, will you respond to that invitation? So this morning, I want to help you learn, okay, so if we're talking about, and we understand that the church is meant to be the fullness of Christ in the world, how does that happen in our midst? How does that get worked out? I want to give you four keys that I believe will help us embody the fullness of Christ to the world. So if you turn to me to 1 Peter chapter 2, starting off in verse 4 through 5, and then I'm going to read verse 9 and 10 as well. It says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And down to verse 9. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praise of him who brought you, uh, you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The first way you can be a part of the fullness of God in the world is by realizing that from the beginning, God's intention has been to build a people. From the beginning, God's intention has been to build a people. Genesis 1, 27 through 28 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. So right from the beginning, Before the fall, God has an intention not just for Adam and Eve, 
but he has an intention to build a people for his name. He wants to be in relationship with people. He wants to love people and then for them to love him. Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it's talking about the Abrahamic covenant. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, you will, you, your, your people and your father's household, and go to the land I, I show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples will be blessed. On earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on earth, just the Jews? No, all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And so Paul later in the New Testament goes and, and he explains and interprets how the Abrahamic covenant now applies to us as Gentiles. The promises of God are being passed along. Exodus 19, five through six, you'll see priests and people all throughout these scriptures. Now, if you obey me and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, right? So Peter is referring back to Exodus 19 in his passage. Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 9, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Hosea 1.10, yet the Israelites will be like sand on the seashore, I want, <clears throat> which cannot be measured or counted in the place where it was said in them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. I'd like to submit to you today the idea that God is not so much interested in populating heaven with individuals so much as he is building a people for his name and for his glory. That's God's heart. From the beginning, he's been building a people for his name. The second way you can embody the fullness of Christ to the world is by embracing your calling as a priest. As we read in 1 Peter, through the new covenant instituted by Jesus, we are priests. And the reason we are priests is because we have a very high priest. And Hebrews 4 through 10 talks about this. I don't have time to break it all down. I encourage you to read through it in your quiet time. But what it says is that, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way and yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So Jesus is the great high priest. He is the cornerstone like we read it in 1 Peter 2, 4, right? And then because Jesus has gone and opened up the way to the Holy of Holies, we now can go into that place. We can approach the throne of grace with boldness and with confidence. And so I'd like to you know, and so I'd like to submit to you that today that it's possible to be priests, not because of what we do, but because of who we know. Not because of what we do, but because of who we have access to. That's why we're priests. And we as priests, uh, we come with, with offerings of, so, of spiritual sacrifices. So, you know, verse five there in first Peter two, it says, and you are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to the Lord. Have you been saved by faith? Absolutely. But your act of, of worship to the Lord is bringing these, these spiritual sacrifices to the Lord. So what does that mean? Okay, so we're not bringing bulls and goats anymore. We're bringing acts of spiritual worship to the Lord. So that's worship. It's giving. It's serving others, right? It's being a part of the church. It's making things right. It's walking in joy. That is our act of spiritual worship. 
And it doesn't cost you something. It has to cost you something. Rachel and I got married, right? I'm married. Does that mean I have to do anything? Yes, it's my joy and delight every day to make sacrifices for her. It wasn't just the fact that we got married. It's about what comes after that day. It was just the beginning. But it's my joy to make sacrifices that cost me something because that's what nurtures and grows a real, a real relationship. That's what it means to be a priest. It means we're cultivating a real relationship with the Lord because it costs us something. We shouldn't be afraid that it costs us something. That's not legalistic. It's not legalistic if it draws us closer to Jesus. Can I say that again? It's not legalistic if it draws us closer to Jesus. We've been saved by grace, but we have an invitation to cultivate a relationship with Jesus through offering spiritual sacrifices to him. Excuse me. We are a people of priests. And what we do informs who we are. The third way you can embody the fullness of God to the world is by declaring the praises of Christ. It says there in our pastor this morning that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation for God's own possession, so that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and into a marvelous light. So it's not just that you've been saved. It's not just that you're a priest and you're good with God and you have access to the Holy of Holies, but you've been saved with a purpose. And that's to declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Anybody been set free from some, some stuff? Anybody been in a dark place and God pulled you out? Anybody been in need of the mercy of God? Amen. That's what God's in the business of doing. He's pulling us out of the pit and into the pulpit or into our areas of, of, of worship, right? And so uh, areas of influence. And so, man, everybody's got a story. And so you're created to declare the praise of God that pulled you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You're created. You don't need to be up here. Your pulpit looks a lot different than my pulpit. And that's okay. But it's still a pulpit. And you still... So how many times have you been sharing your testimony recently? I want to encourage you. Share your testimony with somebody this week. It can be in the church, but it'd be even better if it wasn't somebody in the church. Okay, so I got a little app on my phone and it's called Moment. It tracks how many times I've been... uh, how How much time I've spent on my phone. Screen time. Uh, y'all can pray for me later. Uh, and uh, it's a wake-up call. And so I kind of wish I had like an app that told me how many times I used the, the word Jesus in my day. And it, and it was keeping track. And I look back, because sometimes I look at my phone and I'm like, I, did I really have my phone? I was looking at my phone that much? Like, really? I think sometimes if we looked at the number of times we said Jesus in a day, we, we might be a little surprised. And so my prayer is that, man, I want... I want the, my, my, the frequency of the word Jesus in my vocabulary to increase. And so, and because I know if I'm using the word Jesus more, things are probably being, are pretty good in my life. And so I want to encourage you to start using the word Jesus more. You have permission to use the word Jesus more. Start just talking about him. Just say, you know what, Jesus, I love you. You're awesome, Jesus. Hey, man, can I tell you about Jesus? Here's what he did for me. He pulled me out of the pit and he put me, put me on my feet on the rock, right? And so just start talking about it and not in a preachy way. Just start talking about Jesus, talking about what he's done in your life. That's what it means to declare the praises of him who pulled you out of darkness. You have a testimony. Don't just share it inside the church, but share it outside the church, okay? And so the church is not a building, all right? It's not a building. It's not a cruise ship. It's not a Christian club. It's not a self-help group, right? It's a people with a purpose, all right? 
And so ecclesia is the word in the New Testament. And you know what ecclesia means? It doesn't mean building. It means people. It means called out ones, sent out ones. So I'm calling you out and I'm sending you out today. All right, you hearing that? Called out, sent out. That's who you are. And that's what it means for us to be a people. That's what it means for us to be the church. The fourth and final way that you can embody the fullness of God to the world is by applying your proxy. All right, new word, all right? Applying your proxy, all right? And you're like, what does that mean? So proxy, it, what it means is the power of a person authorized to act as a substitute for another. Let me say that again. Proxy is the power of a person authorized to act as a substitute for another. So Rachel and I, we share a bank account. She shows up to the bank. She can put her little information in and she can get a little bit of cash and she can go shopping, right? She has, uh, she has been given proxy to act on my behalf. And that's what it means. And in the same way, I can act on her behalf. Um, and so uh, when Jesus left the earth, he didn't just say, okay, I hope you learned everything you need to know. Good luck. No, he gave us some proxy. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Go and make disciples of all nations. You make the disciples. You baptize them. You teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. I'm not doing it. You're doing it. I'm giving you authority to act on my behalf. I'm giving you power to do it. Acts 1, 8. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Who's going to be the witnesses? You're going to be the witnesses. John 20, 21, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you, all right? Bring it, right? Bring it. I am sending you. I'm giving you my proxy. I'm a history buff. I love, I love history. I love the American Revolutionary War. And you don't have to know much to know that the Americans should never have won that war. The Brits had way more organization, they had way more power, they had way more resources, uh, they had way more organization, you name it, right? They had everything going for them. But you know what they didn't have? They didn't have people fighting for them that had some personal proxy. And what I mean by that is the Americans weren't just fighting for a nation, they were fighting for their lives. They were fighting for their homes. They were fighting for their families. They were fighting for their friends. It became personal to them. It wasn't just that they had been given proxy. It was that they had personal proxy. Now, you can have all the passion in the world, but if you don't have organization, you're probably not going to, you know, they weren't going to win that war without the organization and leadership of George Washington. And so the metaphor I'm trying to make here is that we as the church, we need personal proxy with passion behind it. But we also need the church to organize and give us the context through which we can push in the same direction to bring about transformation in the world so that we can change the world. See, without the church, we're just planes without airports. We have potential, but it's, it's, it's really limited and capped. But in the context of the church, then now we can be everything God has created us to be. And so, church, can I just say it's a time of great need? It's a time of great need for us to come together and to be the church and to show the world what the church is meant to be. And it's, it's time for us to take our individual proxy and to come together 
as a body of believers and declare the praise of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You see, uh, if you just have proxy without a people, you've got a rebel. If you got people without proxy, you got an institution. But if you got people and you got proxy, you got a movement. The church can change the world. The church is a movement that's rising up to set and make things right. I've got a little picture here to demonstrate this. This is the flywheel of movements. And it doesn't just apply to the movement in the church. It can apply to any movement across the world. These are the common four characteristics that you will see. They have a message. They have a tribe. They have a way to deliver their message. And they have an impact, which then fuels their message getting out to more people. So what does this look like in the church? Well, for the church, it means that we have a message, and that's the gospel, right? The good news that Jesus came. He was the son of God, and he died on the cross for our sins, and he was raised three days later. We have a tribe. It's the church. It's the local church. And we have a delivery method. And that delivery method is your proxy. And your proxy looks different than mine. I don't want your proxy. I really don't. I want you to use your proxy outside of these walls. I want you to use your passion and your influence outside these walls. When we, when we combine the tribe and the delivery, that's when the church loses its power. If the glory of God is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, it can't be the pastors making it happen. The 1% of the people in this room making it happen. It has to be all of us. It has to be all of us, okay? So then the delivery is our proxy, which leads to impact, which is salvations, baptisms, and people's lives getting transformed. And you know what happens when salvations and baptisms and transformation happens? The gospel message gets out. And more people get saved. And more people get connected to the church. And more people get envisioned for using their proxy for the kingdom of God. The local church is the hope of the world. I want to bring up my buddy Brady. Y'all give it up for Brady. Brady and I went on a, went on a mission, it's on. Brady and I went on a mission trip this summer to Peru. And so, uh, Brady, why don't you tell us what you do for a living? Yeah, I'm an engineer at Lockheed Martin. Yeah, you are. And you're a good one. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so I just wanted Brady to, to, to share a testimony from our trip, uh, with you guys. I think it's going to encourage us. So go ahead, Brady. Yeah. So about halfway through the trip, we were on our way back from these villages where we were sharing the gospel. Um, and we were driving through the mountains, about a three-hour drive back to Cusco. And uh, one of the workers from the organization we partnered with was just on fire for God. She just uh, loved God, loved to evangelize to literally anyone who would listen to her. And we saw these people alongside the road as we were driving. Um, and she's like, hey, let's go talk to these people. They need to know about Jesus. So we, as a team, were a little bit worn out. We were... Uh, it was a fast-paced mission trip up to that point, um, and the lack of altitude didn't help anything up there in the mountains. <laughs> but we talked it over, and we are like, yeah, let's, let's go for it. Let's talk to these people real quick. So we stopped, and while we were there, we talked to a man named Juan. And while we were talking to Juan, I had the opportunity um, to share my story with him about how God changed my life. Um, and with the help of Micah and some translators that were there with us, um, I, for the first time in my life, had the opportunity to pray the prayer of salvation with Juan, um, to accept Jesus into his life. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was, great. it was awesome to feel like God was using me in that moment. Um, and this was my first international mission trip. So uh, I, had, I went into it feeling some of those feelings of like, am I, do I have enough experience for this? And am I spiritually mature to go talk to people about Jesus? Um, but God, I realized on that trip, didn't care about any of that. Um, he just wanted to use us, our team, um, anyone who would say yes to him. So, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Y'all give it up for Brady. You see, the reason I wanted Brady to come up is because Brady's, Brady's not, a, he's not an engineer. He's a priest. He's a priest who happens to do engineering. Can I just tell you you're a priest this morning? Lockie didn't know they have a whole bunch of priests on salary. <laughs> you're a priest this morning. You're a priest among a people with some proxy with a purpose. You're a priest with a people with some proxy and a purpose. The church can change the world. The church can change the world. Let's stand up. Worship band, y'all come forward. Ministry team, if y'all come forward. As we wrap up our service this morning, I, I want to share a picture with you. I felt like the Lord gave me as I was preparing this week, and it was of an airplane turbine, and I felt like the Lord was saying that that turbine was representative of us as the church, and I don't know if you can tell, but God's on the move here. He's on the move in this church, and I saw this wind come flowing through this airplane turbine, and I felt like that was representative of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit began to blow through this turbine, and it began to propel us forward. You see, God is blowing His Spirit through this place to propel us into his purposes, to carry the good news of Jesus to the nations. So this morning, if you don't know Jesus, you've never been a part of the family, I want to say it's a good family. I want to invite you in. And it begins with you just saying, Jesus, I trust you. I believe in you. And I want to follow you. Second group of people I want to speak to this morning are those in this room that um, you've been you know Jesus, you have a relationship with Jesus, but you might be just sitting on the outside, just kind of holding back a little bit because the past hurts or you're just not quite sure. I want to encourage you to give your life to the church. I want to encourage you to give your life to the church. You, you won't regret it, I promise. Third group of people I want to speak to this morning are people who are in this room, you know the Lord, and you're in the church but it's time for you to start using your proxy outside the church. Start time, it's, it's time to, to take the good news outside these walls to declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Church, we're created for more. And the invitation is open to us all. And so as I pray to wrap up our service, just want to encourage you, hey, if God's speaking to you, come get prayer. We'd love to pray for you. And for the rest of us, let's worship. So Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done for us. We choose to fix our eyes on you today. God, would you come meet with us here as we finish our service? Thank you that you can use a simple ministry time to shape and direct the course of our lives just like you did my life. Thank you for the church. Thank you that you pulled me out of darkness and you put me in your wonderful light. So God, would you do it again for everybody in this room? God, would you call them out of darkness and would you bring them into their into your marvelous light. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's respond.